Welcome to New Models. This episode is the first of a burst of audio content coming this week after a short period of radio silence. But radio silence isn't silence. The second New Models Dispatch was published last week. Some reflections on the 12th Berlin Biennale. So if you only get our RSS podcast updates, note that we're now sharing our writing as well. A new topsoil with the crew is incoming, as is our interview with Kevin Munger on his new book, Generation Gap, Why the Baby Boomers Still Dominate America. But what follows here is the first installment of Ricky Backtrace, Private Trend Consultant, an episodic long-form radio drama I've been working on over the past month. Further episodes will be released irregularly. It's intensive production, but I hope you enjoy Ricky Backtrace's noir near future where for trend consultants, every report could be their last. Let's get into it. The year, don't ask. My name, anonymized, behind a unique identification number, protected by a post-quantum bliss signature. But you can call me Ricky Backtrace, private trend consultant. I woke up with a pounding headache, sick to my stomach, in a dingy San Francisco motel on the wrong side of town, but where else can you get a room for a thousand dollars a night? It's raining, but it's always raining. Global warming used to mean drought and wildfires, but when the ocean started evaporating, a new flywheel began, and now the whole planet is a tropical hothouse. I grabbed my kit from the bedside table and load up my morning fix. I only spike artisanal, from Afghanistan preferably, a land blessed with both wild poppies and wild ephedra. As if life there was so challenging, Allah himself knew the people would need some help. I add a little more ice than usual, because I'm in this godforsaken city for a job, a trend consultant job, private, hired by a client with more money than God. That's why San Francisco is God-forsaken. God is jealous of the tech trillionaires. I had just lit a cigarette, Iroquois heirloom strain tobacco, when I hear a knock on the door. Strange, I wasn't expecting anyone. I open the door with my left hand, my right hand holding the Smith & Wesson 649 inside the pocket of my duster. There's nobody there at eye level, but I glance down and see some punk kid with a weird smirk on his face. He starts blinking in a strange cadence, twitching his eyes in different directions like he's about to have a seizure. But it's eye language, the only way to communicate these days that can't be picked up by surveillance. It makes no sound, and camera frame rates are bound to miss blinks, so it's not admissible in court. I wrote a white paper years ago on it, when it was still just a trend. Nowadays, eye language is understood by anyone who has a taste for the less than legal. The kid punk starts blinking the list of synths he has on offer, almost reaching the end of the word benzamidazole before I slam the door in his face. I'm too old for new drugs. Besides, I only spike artisanal. I splash some water on my face in the sink, grab my hat and head out, giving a nod to the ancient man behind the desk in the lobby who's reading a newspaper that's at least 20 years old. Young people laugh at things like that, but I understand it. It's a tactile ritual. And since nobody's printed a newspaper in years, P. 
people read the old ones. The old man shakes his head as he turns the page. Old newspapers are archives of missed opportunities. I hop in the first auto cab I see, sign the pop-up wallet message, say my address out loud, and activate trigger warning mode to auto-tint the windows whenever we pass by the promenade theater of body horror that lines nearly every San Francisco city sidewalk. With no distractions, I pull up my client's file. Xerxes, 29 years old, founder of Achaemenid, the blockchain project that force-memed old Persian into a popular net language by minting each letter of cuneiform as an NFT and giving staking rewards based on how often they're typed. It's a kind of commercial bastardization of a trend I once wrote a report on about public initiatives to save extinct languages through incentivizing their use, tracking, and rewarding it online. I had my top research agent, Donnie Darknet, do some digging in his archives of old platforms. These archives are the most valuable source for background info. Petabyte mirrors of long-forgotten websites with names like Medium, Patreon, and Facebook. When these platforms are abandoned, all the data they hold, the most intimate thoughts, conversations, photos, and videos of billions of users is sold to private companies who put it all behind a grotesquely expensive paywall. Running an archive company is a lucrative set-it-and-forget-it operation, extorting those searching for the memories that they lost or the compromat they hope to find. Of course, people could have just scraped the old platforms themselves, building their own archive before the sites went extinct. That's what Donnie Darknet did. Donnie found some essays written by a teenage Xerxes in his deep dive. Nothing cancelable, so to speak, but the guy obviously has a thing for monarchism and a kink for human-animal chimeras. Skeletons in the closet? At his age, they might still be cadavers. But it does hint at why Xerxes has hired me to do a private trend report on cancel shops. A new, very particular kind of marketing agency that collects and sells zero-day cancel packs. Aggregated evidence of cancelable transgressions committed by celebrities or CEOs that haven't yet reached the public. Before, people would use cancel packs as blackmail, but today, there's no better way to launch your career or market your new product than by canceling someone else's. And so cancel shops are running a brisk business, laundering black market information into legal profits, all with a sickening sheen of sanctimony. At least it protects the markets from oversaturation. When something new comes in, something old goes out. I know I'm close to my destination when trigger warning mode deactivates and I begin to see trees out of the windows. Not long after, I arrive at Persepolis, the Achaemenid campus, stopping at the security gate, a LiDAR scanned and 3D printed replica of the gate of all nations. I verify my appointment at the request of a security agent in a colossal stone form, a lion's body with large wings and a human face the Assyrian Lamassu. The headquarters building itself is much more Spartan, no pun intended. All graphene-treated steel and glass, entirely transparent. 
You can see through every glass floor, every glass wall, straight through to the trees beyond when your vision isn't temporarily blocked by an auto-tinting bathroom. The pipes are thankfully opaque, as are all the wires, giving the mise a beam of glass a visible nervous system, tracing the outlines of each room. Of course, having an office building at all is a flex. Most people work remote, and there's trillion-dollar corporations with a rented mailbox for a headquarters. I open the door of the auto car, and this time, my eyes immediately lock with someone else's. Strange, because I'm not yet standing. Hi, I'm Ava, King Xerxes' assistant, the woman says. Ava can't be more than 20 years old and is standing on all fours. She's quad, short for quadrupedal, or, more crudely, a dog girl. Sometimes quads identify as quadrupedal chimera, part human, part cat, or tortoise, or panther. Other times they fully identify as animal, usually a dog, hence dog girl. But nanometer-accurate robotic surgery made quadrupedalism more accessible for people, usually by removing your forearms and shins and grafting your hands to your elbows and your feet to your knees. I'm Ricky Backtrace, private trend consultant, I tell her. I know, right this way, Ava says, and leads me into the glass labyrinth. The Achaemenid headquarters serves as a visual analogy to the blockchain. The rooms are blocks, the wires and pipes are the network, and of course, everything is transparent. Ava tells me, as I shake off the dizziness of seemingly levitating in the all-glass elevator. How long have you worked for Achaemenid? I ask. Two years. King Xerxes brought me here when the building was finished, and I'm forever grateful to him. I don't say anything. The glass doors of the elevator open, with the outer glass doors a moment behind, giving me a prismatic view of King Xerxes walking towards me with a smile. Anyone who makes people call him King is either a narcissist or a sociopath. Ricky Backtrace, welcome to Achaemenid. Pleasure to meet you, King Xerxes. I try to say King without sounding sarcastic. He laughs. Only Ava calls me King. She likes the formality. My friends call me Zs and you're welcome to as well. Let's go to my office. Ava smiles with a nod a bow, and walks off. Xerxes, or Zs, has a large corner office with his desk facing outside. I have no idea if that's bad feng shui when your entire building is see-through, but it's nice of him because if it faced the other way, it would have turned the whole office into a panopticon. Maybe he's not a sociopath, still could be a narcissist, and his assistant makes me definitely think he has some secrets. We both sit down in chairs made out of something that's clear as glass, but soft, like memory foam. So, Ricky, I loved your report on extinct languages. I mentioned it in my early pitch decks. Thanks. I'll add the fee to my invoice. I was half joking. Z's laughs, 10% too enthusiastically. Do you know why I chose Old Persian? Why this company is called Achaemenid? You have a thing for monarchism? I have an interest. But, in the Achaemenid Empire, lying was punishable by death. Xerxes knew that truth was the engine of civilization, that only through truth could societies grow increasingly complex. And when truth breaks down, so do the complex systems that allow society to survive. Hence, blockchain equipped. Exactly. Blockchain, at its essence, is a protocol of truth and transparency. And that's why I want to know 
about the so-called cancel shops. I want to know if what they sell is the truth or if they're just selling lies and calling it truth. Can I ask a question off the record? And I need a true answer. I never will lie. Z says without a hint of a smile for the first time. I need to know your history with the quad. What's her name? Ava? Z's gets quiet and his smile does not return. I've always had an interest in chimeras, sparked by the great Lamasus and the real Persepolis. Of course, half humans, half animals appear in the earliest art we know of. Humans know we share DNA, share an origin with other creatures, that part of other creatures remain inside us. I found the quad phenomenon endlessly interesting, and many who transition do so because they recognize this quadrupedal DNA is inside them, not to mention the ancient transhumanist desire of becoming a chimera. Sadly, the world is built for the bipedal, and people resist being inconvenienced by something they see as others' choice. I guess deeper understanding of the varieties of our natures is an inconvenience as well. So how did she end up working for you? She looks too young to have a resume. The truth is, and forgive me for using this language, I found her at a dog pound. Are you familiar with them? Unfortunately, I was. Sex parties, where all the sex workers are quads. Yes, my interest in quads was never erotic, but people of my means get invitations. And out of curiosity, I went. Ava was 18, and clearly unhappy. I wanted to give her a better life, and she is truly happy here. Ask her if you want. She also never lies, and that's why I chose her. I look at Z's for tells that he's lying or deceiving me, but see none. The blockchain is trustless because it has perfect truth, yet humans are trustful in a world of lies. You'll trust me someday, I hope, Ricky. But till then, business. Z switches into smile mode again and continues. Charlie Chips, he says with some theatrics. Know him? Not really. Big web prankster goes viral for something every year. That perfect mix of intelligent and shameless that lets you break the internet with ease. Although he usually tries to frame his stunts as performance art. Classic way to make shamelessness look like intelligence. Z's gives a wry smile at that line, one I haven't seen before. This guy has more smiles than heaven. You get it. So, Charlie Chips has opened a cancel shop, and guess what it's called? Cancel Charlie Chips, I guessed. Sounds like the kind of snarky, obvious inversion he peddles in. Z's laughs, sincerely, I think. It actually, literally, is called that. And that's why you're doing this private trend report on cancel shops for me. And I want you to start with, cancel Charlie Chips. Gladly, I tell him. I like researching things I already know I don't like. We stand and Z's shakes my hand. Thank you, Ricky. He says. I trust you. I break my no smile rule and give him one. By the way, check your wallet. I sent you an NFT, an old Persian logogram. Stake it. The yield will fund everything you need during your investigation. You can send it back to me when you're done. He looks vulnerable, earnest. Ava is waiting for me as I step out of the room. We get into the elevator. Are you happy? I ask her after the doors close. King Xerxes saved my life. 
He's different than other humans. He's good. Maybe she's right. Besides, it's kind of hard not to trust someone who sends something worth eight digits to your wallet. A much nicer auto car is waiting outside for me, spacious, and the entire roof is glass. I tell it the address to my motel and keep the auto tint deactivated. I should keep my eyes on the street this time, catch the pulse of the city, no matter how ugly it is. I look back and see Z's walk up next to Ava. She looks at him and smiles. I pass through the replica Gate of All Nations, gliding down the tree-lined road leading from the campus, and stare up at the hypnotic stroboscope of light and leaves. Diary entry, day one of the cancel shop trend report job. There's definitely a connection between my client, Xerxes, and cancel shop founder, Charlie Chips. And I'm pretty sure it involves Xerxes' assistant, Ava, a young quad with a mysterious past. But if Charlie Chips is in the mix, you're basically guaranteed trouble. Everything about the guy is viral, like how he lays low until you forget about him before flaring up again, a blister on the internet's lips. Charlie's even survived a few cancels himself. I'm not sure if that makes him more or less qualified to run a cancel shop, but it definitely makes him a cynic. Charlie Chips has his own history with the quadrupedal. Could this job actually be a quarrel over a dog girl between Xerxes and Charlie? It's possible. But the question is, if both of them are scumbags or only one of them. Either way, there's a 0% chance of this job being easy. As the city gets closer, green canopy gives way to gray sky on the open expanse of the highway. And I swear, I can just make out the shape of a winged, human-headed creature following me from high above. I tell the car to change my destination. Requesting new drop-off point. San Francisco, a marketing agency. Look up a place called Cancel Charlie Chips. You've just heard part one, episode one, of Ricky Backtrace, Private Trend Consultant. This episode was written, read, and mixed by Lil Internet. The music is a loop from Thomas Newman's soundtrack to the 1987 film, Less Than Zero. If you like this episode, tell a friend about new models, and stay tuned for part two of the first episode of Ricky Backtrace, Private Trend Consultant. Thank you for listening.